three, two, one. Since the beginning of time, mankind has been forced to compete for survival. This spirit of competition has reached a pinnacle in the relationship of three best friends who argue with each other about movies sometimes. Why? Glory for the winner, humiliation for the loser. This is Sardonicast. I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. How's it going? <laughs> hey. Yeah, pretty good. Um, you just are off the movie maker. <sighs> and I'm Alex Maichi, and I, I always like the intros of music with them. Yeah. It always adds a certain panache, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Panache. Well, yeah, the Kenny versus Spenny thing is great. Oh, yeah. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, they've got a new single they, they've got a they've got a pandemic special i guess coming out uh, november 20th on cbc gem which is a free app or browser thing or whatever it's like it's like netflix but cbc canadian broadcasting and i think it's free with ads and if you cannot access it then try a vpn and that might work but mm-hmm. i'm just letting everybody know november 20th it's possible that this is considered as a pilot or something. So if you want to show CBC that there is interest in more Kenny versus Spenny shit, then probably check it out. Also, I think the entirety of season one is on CBC Gem. So yeah. Kenny and Spenny are back. They're back. We need more single white Spenny. Yeah, exactly. That, that was a great show. <laughs> we need a season two. <laughs> so I played a game yesterday. Good one, I hope. Called Hunt Down the Freeman. Oh, the best. And it was really, really fucking bad. It was the fucking worst. I think it might be my least favorite game ever. Really? Despite the voice acting being so great. Thank you. Thank you. I was about to get upset. (laughs) Why were you playing it in 2020? Near the end of the... I thought this was like already a year that's bad enough. Why'd you go back to to that? I guess I'm really adding fuel to the fire, aren't I? Um, I don't know. I... uh, well, because when it first came out, one of my friends told me that it was like literally unplayable to the point where like you couldn't even beat the game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why would I even touch that? And then apparently I was like, I don't know, is that the case anymore? People were saying it is possible. So, I, you know, after I, I, I recently played through like Black Mesa with uh, mm-hmm. a couple friends because they finished the Zen shit, which was awesome. But then, uh, yep, just decided to do a hunt down the Freeman and I lasted about three hours and shut it off. We just watched the cutscenes. Three hours. Wow, that's that's commendable. Yeah, there's an hour worth of cutscenes throughout the entire game too. Oh, that's pretty bad. We got it like <laughs> we got through the first <laughs> twenty minutes of cutscenes by playing the game normally, and then gave up and then just watched the rest <laughs> of the cutscenes. Have you played Ride to Hell? No, I've heard it's hilarious though. Yeah, that's the worst game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. That that's a piece of shit. It's almost well, it's basically broken, so it's almost impossible to finish. Mm-hmm. We managed to. Yeah, it's fucking yeah, very terrible. That's that funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's very bad. I couldn't figure out what the fuck I was supposed to do and hunt down the Freeman mm-hmm. for like five levels in a row, and like <laughs> literally just went into whatever commands and did like no clip and flew around the level looking yeah, for. <laughs> like the games would glitch out. Like ride to hell. Like I, the game was like I was trying to ride the bike and the controls were broken, so the fucking thing just kept sliding to the side and, mm-hmm. and blowing up. Like it was impossible to play. That's funny. I bet Hunt Down the Freeman's like the same shit. All these games are like broken. <laughs> they were completely unpolished. My Twitch chat was telling me if I tried to quick save or save while I was in a vehicle, it would corrupt my save file. So I made sure not to do that. <laughs> oh my God. That's awful. Yeah. I've never even played it. 
that happened with Assassin's Creed Black Flag. The game just corrupted the mm. save file. Like all mm. the work I did just fucking went away. Alex, you say you've never even played it. No, I've never played it. Why? They didn't give me a code, and I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. That's a good. That's a pretty good reason, though. It's like, come on, I voice acted in your game. You're not giving me a code. Did they pay you? No, I I, I conceded because um, on the <laughs> on the day that it was it came out. And I was seeing the reaction. I messaged um, the guy just saying, just don't even worry about the contract or anything. You've got enough on your plate. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I, I went on um, a, a trip down memory lane into the, the... The game was kind of developed entirely through Discord, I think. Okay. So there's, mm-hmm. just, there's a server that um, I'm a part of. And I went back into it to look at the messages, the chaos that was going down in that server on the day oh. the uh, <laughs> game came out. <laughs> and everyone's just like losing their mind because there were people that really put a lot of work into oh, it, no. like in the background, and like uh, you know, because it was all segmented into like the animation team and yeah. the modelers, and so and they didn't seem to communicate. So it all came down in one <laughs> glorious mm. disaster, and it, it was quite sad actually going through those messages again. Hmm. Yeah, like I feel bad for them. Were there any playtesters? Well, mm. I don't really know what the fuck was going on because yeah. the, the game director apparently works at Activision now. It, it snagged him a okay. job at Activision. <laughs> Everyone yeah. else got sidelined there. <laughs> wow, that's, <laughs> that's hilarious. Interesting that that game could lead to a job. Yeah, you would have thought it would provide the opposite, but like blacklist him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, very interesting. It shows ambition. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they tried something. They yeah. definitely tried something. Great casting. I thought you did great mm-hmm. as a an old Chinese man. But <laughs> thought it was very appropriate with different accents. Yeah. Did you like Keemstar? Did you get to the Keemstar yeah. moment? Yeah, I heard Keemstar. <laughs> I heard Colossal. I heard Sky Williams. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Fuck. I heard. See us in there. I didn't notice it was Bunty King until I was at the end credits. I don't even know which fucking character he was. Fuck, I didn't even know Bunty King was in Yeah, it. like, what the hell? <laughs> I was just, like, looking through the credits. It was kind of interesting. Was awesome. Why, though? Indie or not, what other game would just populate their entire cast with random YouTubers in ways that they're all recording by themselves using completely different mics... And then the the <laughs> audio levels in the cutscenes were like completely different. Like there would be two characters talking to each other. One would be like super loud volume. The other would be like super quiet. And then some characters, it's, you could hear like the room echo because they recorded with like a fucking blue Yeti or something. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit. It's just so inconsistent. Yeah, they should have brought you to a studio. Yeah, none, none, of, none of the casting works. <laughs> no, they had no money and they were way too ambitious. So there was just no way to make it with the chips they had. Yeah. If you have no money and you're really ambitious, why don't you make a fucking, you know, like a short game or like a teaser or like a beta? Something simple. But like trying to make something with like literally an hour's worth of fucking cutscenes. <laughs> and also like putting that much time and effort into something where you're literally just like piggybacking off of another more popular franchise. And mm-hmm. you're just really fucking lucky that Valve's super nice and didn't sue you. Yeah, I'm shocked they allowed it to be released. Like, come on. Like, you don't have the rights to use these characters. Valve just mm-hmm. isn't a shitty company and they don't care. Yeah, and the G-Man says Black Mesa wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Misa. <laughs> like Jar Jar. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, what the fuck? It's so weird. <laughs> so bizarre. 
Was it made in like the Source engine? I'm I'm fairly sure. Yeah, the cutscenes were like Source filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, Source filmmaker. Okay. Yeah. Not like well done though. No. It's like those those Team Fortress trailers are cool, and those are made in Source mm-hmm. filmmaker. Hmm. Or at least I think so. There were a couple moments where I noticed the same like quick zoom sort of thing that you see in other source filmmaker mm-hmm. YouTube videos. I was like, oh, I see. Uh, yes, yep, yeah. Yeah. It's like the a one. stock thing. Yeah, except, oh. except it's taking itself way too seriously. <laughs> like, I never would have expected going in to hunt down the Freeman that I would see something that's, like, pretentious. I just thought it was, like, something that was low effort. I thought it was something where it's right. like, oh, they didn't give a shit and they had promises they didn't deliver on or something. But no, it's like, actually, it thinks it's some sort of, like, like you can hear certain lines of dialogue where it's like, Holy shit, stop jerking yourself off. Like, what are you... It's so mm-hmm. weird. I think it was massively inspired by Kojima. Oh, yeah. It was like channeling Kojima's genius. In the fucking end credits, it was like special thanks, Hideo <laughs> Kojima. Like, unironically, it was there. Oh, <laughs> uh, there were a couple other really yeah. funny... Oh, yeah, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and there was like one more really funny one, but I can't remember. Oh, man. Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> Special thanks, yeah. Steven Spielberg. It was such a snowball because yeah, it was everywhere that game and just in the meme of it. Yeah, I wonder if they thanked Valve in the special thanks because <laughs> if they didn't, that would be extra funny. I'd, maybe I should go back and beat the game again. There was someone, someone for some reason gave them like fifty grand at the beginning or something like, like one that. guy I could be wrong, on like that. an investor. Yeah, it was like one guy who, I could be wrong in this, but from memory, this is what is there. It was like some guy who's just like a huge Half-Life fan put up the money to try and get the project made or something, and it all started from there. And it's just been drama from the beginning. It goes back really far. I think it was made at the perfect time, because there's no way that anyone would be excited for something like this if Valve was still making Half-Life games at the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was because everybody had abandoned <laughs> yeah. all hope of Valve even touching the series anymore. So I was like, ah, fuck it. Mm-hmm. If somebody else wants to make a Half-Life game, why not? But that hope made the blow that much worse yeah. than <laughs> when people actually got their hands on it. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, It was very sad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, like, it was also tainted by my terrible, awful fucking hangover. Like, I literally just felt like I wanted to vomit the entire time. I had to shut it off. <laughs> and I'm usually not hungover. It, yeah. Just like, yeah. it makes you feel that way like, anyway when you're not hungover. Yeah. So. yeah. Hmm. It's only 10 bucks here. Yeah, like 15 or 16 in Canada. Yeah, I'm just looking on Steam. Mostly negative. Reese reviews mixed. <laughs> Can't believe it's still that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the speed run is. Impossible. I'll look that up. It's too broken. Well, the walkthrough was only like four hours or some shit. I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe they've patched it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think most of that is just not knowing where to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Puzzles that pad out everything. Jesus Christ. Let's see. Speedrun world record. An hour and 12 minutes. Okay. okay. So it's still pretty meaty. Some stuff you can't skip. Oh, hour and six, actually. That was the old world record. But nobody's watching this shit. Okay. 339 views two months ago, but... Them. Yeah, nobody really <laughs> is that passionate about Hunt Down the Freeman Who would have thought? <laughs> Imagine, because like, if you're a speedrunner, you have to be doing that all day, every day to get yeah. your fucking best time. Imagine being mm-hmm. the guy spending your life playing Hunt Down the Freeman repeatedly. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. There's a lot of reviews. Uh, yeah. 
You need a medal. Oh my god. Got lost and had to use walkthroughs every so often. The entirety of chapter two is... And then it's censored. I assume they said, like, shit or something. <laughs> I had to use no clip to get through the first part of chapter two because the map is shit. <laughs> Giant with no sense of direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the script was hilarious. I remember when I was first sent it, it was just as impossible to read pretty much. Mm -hmm. It was like completely broken English... Um, and it was only like part of it, only ever it's got like, like AI yeah, generated. Like, it, it almost seemed that way, yeah. Yeah, it was very sporadic. <laughs> it's probably the first draft. But, yeah, I got it like towards the end. I'd already been recording like audio clips for like probably a year, like just randomly. And then I finally got the script <laughs> towards the end of like what was supposed to be the whole story. But I, I read through the whole thing, but I couldn't, I couldn't really figure out what was going on, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I couldn't really understand what the fuck was going on. Let me spoil the game of things I did understand. So the guy with the fucking scars all over his face, the main character, Rice Pirate, yeah. Mitchell or whatever his name is, he got those scars from somebody in an HEV suit that like beat him up once. And it was like, oh no, he's like scratched up his face with a crowbar. And he's like, I'm going to hunt down the Freeman because I guess he thought that that was Gordon Freeman. And then the twist at the end is that it wasn't he take like the it shows the guy beating him up again it's like different angle and then he like removes his helmet and it's like some other random character that doesn't really fucking you know just some other dude that we've seen in the game that i don't really remember much about but it was another guy mm -hmm. he's like you it wasn't the freeman it was you and then there's yeah this this fucking chase scene on a boat and he just like shoots him in the gut a few times and i remember that who boy I don't know why the G-Man talks to the main character at all. I don't I don't understand how that makes any sense, but that happens. <laughs> like, the G-Man shows up and just delivers exposition, which is really weird. Yeah. He's supposed Meta. to be kind of, like, vague, not really in yeah. the story. <laughs> and, like, also, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it didn't really seem like it fit with the spirit of Half-Life. Not only that, but, like, the internal dialogue of the character that you're playing as like he would say things while you're playing sometimes it's kind of annoying there was like a parkour mechanic that i don't know if it was ever necessary to use oh, yeah. really it was just something mm -hmm. they put into the game and then there was no real opportunity to use it i guess i don't know i only played through the first half i think so well you'll further me i'll play it one day yeah. i'll play right to hell retribution one day <laughs> i'm hyped mm -hmm. all right Definitely. And I'm giving this one a 1 out of 10. It was cancer. <laughs> I'll give it a 3. I can't believe you haven't played it, Alex. Somebody needs to gift... I will gift you that game on Steam. Really? If you don't want to pay for it. <laughs> I'll gladly pay for it for you. Okay. Yeah. You can do that if Merry you want. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I give Christmas your performance a 9 out of 10, Alex. Yeah. Oh, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we all saw a film... Because there's Sofia. nothing out right now, we went and did a classic movie that wasn't, a, you know, we have the usual recommendations for the podcast, we threw in another one, because Boom. everything that's coming out is coming out between now and the next episode, and not before this one, so we decided to revisit The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, classic. Yes. Not directed by Tim Burton, but it's Tim Burton's produced it. and He produced it. Yeah. He's a big part of it. Was um, it Peter Sellers? Let me look this up. Peter Henry Sellers. Uh, Henry Sellers. Henry Selleck. Right? God, I always forget that fucking name. Thank you. 
God damn it. Mm-hmm. Everyone does, unfortunately. Like, everyone, everyone sadly attributes Tim Burton, like this yeah. movie to Tim Burton. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's not like he didn't do anything Henry for it. Selleck directed the film. Yeah. yeah, and directing a movie like this must be so difficult. I think, I think it <laughs> might also just be down to Tim Burton having these ideas and wanting to get them communicated and, you know, having a lot to do with yeah. it, but him not being as experienced in stop motion or something like that might have been it feels like like a a tim burton movie in tone like it feels like edward scissorhands or something like that he wrote a poem um called the nightmare for christmas i think okay um, based Mm -hmm. on he was like in a shop and he saw that the all the halloween toys were being replaced with christmas toys and the juxtaposition kind of inspired him to create the poem and from there it developed into the full story and then i guess henry Selleck kind of developed it into the full movie that it is today mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah and all the characters the art direction was was basically make this movie look like a tim burton movie i'm pretty sure is what henry Selleck was going for yeah yeah tim burton has a love of stop motion too he directed frank mm-hmm. and Weenie, which is stop motion and mm-hmm. then he has his one of his first movies vincent which is like a stop motion thing yeah didn't he do corpse bride as well even if he hasn't always directed yeah corpse bride did he direct that don't know but it also had his name on the title <laughs> yeah that's like another one he clearly has a love for animation and stop motion mm-hmm. so yeah yeah let's see yeah he... tim burton did direct yep. it with mike johnson mike, mike johnson like a fake name i know right oh apparently he was on the animation department for an um anomalisa very nice mm-hmm. and also worked on Nightmare before christmas anyway what did you nice. think of this fucking piece of shit it was terrible. Oh, it was awful. It was on Disney God, those Plus. Songs, first they just of get all. stuck in your head, just drive you mm-hmm. mental. Oh yeah, you still have Disney Plus. Well, that's how I watched it. Yeah, and you could, no yeah. other way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no other way. Yeah. I mean, the film is is great, despite that. All those things. Um, first of all, the music, <laughs> which we were humming before it even started. The, oh yeah, we started recording. It's perfect. It, yeah, the music is wonderful and very memorable. I had one of the songs stuck in my head when I woke up today. And I didn't even watch I watched it like a week ago. I watched it on Halloween. Yeah. There's not a bad song. Yeah. I hadn't seen it for probably at least, I don't know, somewhere close to like 10 years maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah, I was the same. Mm-hmm. Great opening song. Great every song. Yeah. <laughs> great every yeah, song. Great yeah, great every song. There's not a low point. Exactly. Yeah. There isn't. Every one is just as creative as the last and just as earwormy as the last. From the same composer as the Simpsons theme, Danny Elfman, who also voiced Jack Skellington, which is pretty cool. He did. When he's singing, right? Yeah. No, he literally does the voice acting, too, I think. There's only one credit for... Yeah, let me just double check this. Uh, oh wait, Chris no, it is sing- Sarandon okay. does Jack Skellington, but it's the singing yeah, voice. Yeah, I think they cast him because it just voice. sounds like Danny Elfman's oh, singing shit, voice. Oh shit, it is two people yeah. when yeah. he speaks. Damn mm. it! Oh, it sounded like one person <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, it's pretty Jesus. seamless in the movie. Yeah, it's very it's, well it's done. It's completely yeah. seamless. Yeah, all all of the songs, super memorable, super catchy, and the visuals that go with them. It's like very perfect for a musical, really. Yeah. It's got like a really great sense of style and the way that these sets are used and the way that the animation as a medium is used, it doesn't really waste anything. No. It's like it's clear why this is an animated film rather than being live action. It's clear that there is a lot of effort put into these 
crazy ideas and like the mountain that like uncurls as he's walking down mm-hmm. and like yeah just like a shit ton of amazing character design and art design and mm-hmm. color and lighting choices even i like the choice of having the kind of different worlds the the subtle world building in the movie is really good mm-hmm. with the the tree trunks with all the different holidays in them and each like holiday destination and each major location in the movie has a completely different kind of style and color palette, so they really contrast against each other. Yeah. And it, yeah, it is just so visually striking. I mean, I was obsessed with Tim Burton in this movie specifically when I was like a little kid. And mm-hmm. uh, every single beat, every piece of imagery, every beat on the score, it, it was ingrained in there. It came back and washed over Oh, me. yeah. And it mm-hmm. was like a joy to watch again because it's so short as well. It's, it just flies by. There's no filler, guff, or trash in it like a lot of these, you know, these kind of Christmassy. I kept thinking about The Grinch, Illuminations The Grinch from a couple of years ago and how it's based on like a really stylish bit of source material. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot of Dr. Zeus kind of in uh, Tim Burton's uh, like, you know, art style, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah, sure. That what, makes what's lacking sense. is any kind of, you know, like a original ideas or original flair in like these, you know, like the Grinch or some shit like that. Whereas here, there's such an original little idea with all the kind of stuff you'd hope for and recognize with all the, you said the character designs already, but they are so classic all the silhouettes of them all they're all so striking and mm-hmm. memorable and some of Jack them even Skeleton. have like funny little you know like the the two-faced guy with the oh, yeah. little you know <laughs> yeah. little sly politicians and stuff like there's mm-hmm. just lots of clever little details like that yeah yeah it's a beautiful looking movie mm-hmm. and the animation it's so intricate the amount of frames i think it took three years or something to anim- 100 people animating and it, it really shows some of the stuff they do some of the little techniques like that scene where Jack is cutting up the paper to make oh, like yeah. <laughs> a, a, a snowflake. That, that scene to me, just like the anime is flexing. Like, let's just come up with the most complex <laughs> visual thing we can ch- try and achieve in stop motion. And I was just blown away with some of the, some of the choices with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a really great energy throughout. And I also watched this movie a lot when I was ki- uh, a kid. I don't know mm-hmm. how many times. I've seen it like at least 20 times for sure. Oh, yeah. This was definitely a go-to movie. I had the VHS, man. I just popped that shit in. Did you have the soundtrack? I don't think I had the soundtrack individually, but I, you know, soundtrack's in the movie. I had the movie. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And only $18 million budget. Maybe adjusted for inflation because it's 19, what, 1993. Yeah, wow. It has a timeless yeah, but... quality to it, too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel huh. that, um, but yeah, it, that's pretty small. It made a lot of money, which of course it good. That's a good thing. <laughs> and yeah, it's just a wholly original story. Yeah, and it's weird because like you'd think a movie like this with Disney being attached to it that makes a lot of money, you'd think that it would get a sequel or something. Like you'd think that that's that would be something. I was that reading about do. that. Yeah. Apparently they wanted to do it, oh. um, but not in stop motion and in oh. like CG animation. Yeah. And uh, Tim Burton turned it what down. Because he was like, no, no, no. In CG um, animation? It might not have been CG. It might have been maybe they were starting to toy around with that kind of stuff in the late 90s, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it existed. It'll happen eventually. A sequel wouldn't be great, probably. I don't know. No, they'll just do a live action version. That's mm-hmm. what they'll do. Yeah, mm-hmm. John Favreau, like live Lion action. King. 
And it would be two hours long instead of an hour and 16. Yeah, yeah. A realistic skeleton. They'll give <laughs> yeah. Sally like eight more songs and... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is uh, weirdly dark for what you would expect Disney to associate themselves with as a brand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I kept thinking the same Which thing. Which is part of why it feels so original is because they probably wouldn't want to touch anything like this before this point, you know. I guess Tim Burton had a decent amount of a name recognition before this point. Yeah, I think that's the only way it got made, was yeah. on Tim Burton's back, to be honest. Yeah, because I was just like thinking about some of the songs with... In the one where the three kiddies are singing about like chopping bodies up and stuff, like can you can you really imagine that getting through I know, without right? Tim Burton's name behind exactly. it? Because he's got a bit of a name for like Beetlejuice and the Batman movie with the edgy kind of gothic stuff. Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. I think he already had that kind of rep by now, so yeah, they just trusted him with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he had a bunch of hits in a row. Holy shit! I'm just looking right now. Yeah, didn't even. Realize he directed Pee Wee. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's one of his best movies. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Is, like, Corpse Bride a Disney film? Uh, I don't think so. It might be, actually. So. Yeah, because even that has, like, Corpse in the that's title. Warner Brothers. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that? Warner okay. Brothers. <laughs> okay. Well, it has similar vibes. Even in this movie, like, Sally's, like, a, a dead body with like a bunch of stitches. <laughs> yeah. You know, it looks like a, it's freaky looking. Yeah. They'd be like, that scares kids now. You can't do that. I don't know. I think that there's enough charm yeah. to Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, yeah, you, like you, they're scary looking characters. Uh, kids just like minions now. That's, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. I always <laughs> found the human characters scarier than anything in the Nightmare. Yeah, that's time. true, actually. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the little <laughs> kids are creepier than you know exactly. What you <laughs> they mean. are. Santa Claus looks kind of freaky looking. Yeah, yeah. In live action, will just be some actor. We'll get Josh Gad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. I do. Christ. I do love how quick it is. It's very, it's very simple but well communicated for like yeah. the goals of like the characters and what's what's happening. Like it's not difficult to understand in any way and it's like it doesn't get overly complex it doesn't need to be there's you know it's i'm I'm just trying to imagine what john favreau would do to it today if he had <laughs> the opportunity <laughs> the three little kiddies will have their disney plus like spin-off show oh yeah oh, no. Boogie. yeah <laughs> yeah it's like they're they're just talking about murdering people <laughs> there's a song about murdering santa <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, it is. That does give it character, though. It is fitting oh, for the, yeah. the Halloween town to be edgy and dark. It, it yeah. is perfect. And it's actually really funny in that way, too. I think that adds to mm-hmm. the humor a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because they mis- they've never seen Christmas, so they keep mistaking things like mm-hmm. they don't they don't hear santa claus they hear sandy claws because from yeah, there like i love that Halloween <laughs> perspective, it's like, yeah it's so funny yeah. And it's like they didn't even have to, again, like very simple and well communicated. Like it's it's obvious, even without subtitles, what he's saying, not because of just like how he enunciates it. But in the song, he holds his fingers up and does the like, you know, individually mm-hmm. moving each fit, like claws sort of thing. And it's like it, it's so effectively communicated that at no point do they have to be like, oh, get it? Like claws? Like that's what John Favreau would do today. But it, the movie doesn't have yeah. to do that. And I, I like that it's just so simple and effective. Like, that's something I understood as a kid, too. I it, I didn't need any kind of 
help with that. Mm-hmm. Just everything visual, all the storyboard mm-hmm. and all the storyboarding and everything. It's it's so flawlessly done. It, I saw some people considering it part of the Disney Renaissance, and I suppose it did kind of come out around that time. I guess so. Yeah, it's just an unusual kind of animation style for Disney to adopt because you just would not expect them to deal with this kind of thing mm-hmm. if Tim Burton was not involved. I just can't imagine this project being made without him. I want to know mm. where it is in... Because this is... this. I'd imagine this was probably a pretty breakout film for stop motion as a genre. Well, it takes the it takes the inherent creepiness and kind of gives it, you know, it makes it a bit cuter, a bit more relatable, because that that is one thing stop motion always has to overcome. It's like the inherent creepiness, and mm-hmm. it just works really well for a children's story set in in a Halloween town. Mm-hmm. It was animated. Well, it was made by Skellington Productions. That's pretty funny, <laughs> and they've been around for like since 1986. They were like making movies with Tim Burton and Henry Selleck. But they went defunct in hmm. yeah, 1996, so they're gone now. I just remember having such a visceral reaction to this movie as a kid. It was mm-hmm. Certain characters in particular, that, that like doctor guy who opens his head and <laughs> yeah. he's got his brain. For some reason as a kid, that really just struck a nerve with me, with him like scratching his brain oh, yeah. and making his weird like sex dolls or whatever he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I that guess That is so. creepy to me. <laughs> I, I, like, I like the way his lip twitches at the end of that scene when he's really mad. That nice little yeah. Animation I read this there. like awful thing where apparently in the early versions of the story, Oogie Boogie was going to be revealed to be that scientist oh. guy, like underneath. <laughs> that would have been weird. I do like the uh, ultraviolet, like fluorescent shit going on in the yeah. Oogie Boogie song. Yeah, because you commented on how low the budget is, and I think it's just really, really effective use of just art direction and storyboarding because a lot of it is if you break it down kind of simple in- imagery but they just use colors and lighting and everything so well and the framing mm. of it mm-hmm. that it's just really efficient yeah it makes it feel epic yeah yeah no it does have that scope <laughs> it is very epic there's like a fucking army attacking him at the end <laughs> yeah i'd forgotten about the <laughs> yeah. cannons like yeah. shooting him out of the sky it is so <laughs> bizarre when i got to that point <laughs> yeah. watching it it was like Oh yeah, this did happen. <laughs> it's like there's a he's literally <laughs> they've got the entire like army trying to shoot him down the out of the sky. Just goes in. And he just doesn't even <laughs> realize that anybody doesn't like him. He's like, "Oh, stop your celebrations. I'll just go a bit higher." Like, "I know you love me right now, but this is dangerous." Oh, they're trying to hit me. That's funny. It's there's a playful innocence to the entire thing. Yeah, no, it's just Jack Skellington's kind of whole journey. It's just a nice message of to, you know to embrace who you are and don't try to pretend mm-hmm. to be something that you're not mm-hmm. grass is greener on the other side sort of thing yeah and it's like it doesn't need to be complicated or over explained it's literally just like oh through another song he's like you know what i did my best <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. i like being the fucking pumpkin king <laughs> and that's all you need <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like he, it's it's his own journey and transformation going on inside his own head of just acceptance and it works out well and it doesn't need anything more. Do you find Jack Skellington's kind of resonance in pop culture to be interesting? This character is just really connected with mm-hmm. like certain people for, for whatever reason. 
Um, yeah. The, the merch and everything and Hot Topic. And it's just a, <laughs> that kind of look like really yeah, goes with Yeah, Hot Topic crowd. It. There's a lot of Jack Skellington shirts. Mm-hmm. He's got yeah. a good design. It's a really it good is design. a really good design. I, cool. uh, I made a Jack Skellington Halloween costume. And that was the only time I ever put effort into a Halloween costume. And I like sewed together like his suit basically and i did a paper mache head and i was like (laughs) super super fucking skinny at the time too so it worked and i had these like skeleton gloves it was awesome Mm -hmm. you got any pictures i do let me send you one hold on (laughs) i need to see this yeah it's different for disney too he's not like cutesy but you know he has big eyes Mm -hmm. so he's very like inviting nice yeah but at the same time he also kind of has that that almost the the Disney princess thing, you know, where he's like singing his wants and dreams, and yeah, that kind of... <laughs> he's very like sentimental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's a big baby. There's a picture. Holy! <laughs> no, but how are you drinking? <laughs> what are you drinking? What? There's a beer. Jesus! There's like a hole in it. <laughs> oh, and you just got like a. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of scary looking. Yeah, Damn, it was yeah. you know, it was you the first time I ever put any effort into a Halloween costume and probably the last also. <laughs> Cuz I got like I got like fired from my job at HMV like a week before Halloween. I was like, "Fuck it, I've got time now." So, <laughs> Bro. Yeah. I was late too many times. Oh, here's another one. <laughs> and then there was really. a, the, I w- I was on my last warning. I'm like, "Okay, I got this. I'll make sure to leave half an hour early." But then there was a huge snowstorm <laughs> and, and public transit was like super late. And despite me leaving early, I still showed up late. And they were like, sorry. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oopsie. Did you go and haunt them in the Jack Skellington nah. outfit? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, I guess. I'll just show up in disguise. What's your friend supposed to be on the left? Is he Dwight? I think he was, yeah, he was Dwight Schrute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah, yeah. Okay. my other friend on the right was one of the Austin Powers twins, like the okay. Austin Powers three Fuku uh, yeah. Fuku thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simpler times. That was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, tell me about it. I, I want to talk about that that Skellington production company because yes. they closed down nineteen ninety six because they made another movie that bombed, the the James and the Giant Peach. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I didn't know that that bombed. Yeah. I thought that that was popular to some well, extent. I apparently, mean... well, Disney closed them down after that, so oh, weird. <laughs> clearly it wasn't. <laughs> let, let me check the box office return on it. But I remember it being considered like a like a bad kind of return on it. Oh, Henry okay. Selleck directed that one, too. You know, Tim Burton produced it. Maybe just they just threw too much money in, in, into it for it to be Yeah, it didn't reasonable. really make its money back is the thing. Yeah, $38 million. Wow, that's way more than <laughs> Nightmare. And then $28 million it made back. Yeah, I remember that one being yeah. okay. I watched it when I was younger. but Yeah. Not really as iconic. He did Coraline as well, so mm-hmm. he clearly knows what he's doing when oh, it comes yeah. to Oh, yeah. That was much later. Coraline's great. Yeah. Yeah. Coraline's that's a yeah, great, yeah. like, horror movie for... I'm glad he has that one, because then it means... I don't know, I just feel bad for him in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, if one of your most popular projects someone else kind of gets most of the credit for <laughs> yeah it's nice that he's got Coraline so at least like he'll always get that for the director and it's yeah. a bit like a like the Star Wars situation where the episode two and three directors like 
most people probably couldn't name them off the top of their head. Or, just uh, episode Lucas. five six. Yeah, five six. If sorry. you yeah. just put your name in front of every single project, eventually you'll become a household name. Just look at Tyler yeah. Perry. You know. Yeah. Yeah, M Knight's got it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A film by M Knight. But I like laugh when that comes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it's the thing. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Zack Snyder's, yeah, yeah. There is a few. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, did did either of you ever see that Robin Williams movie Toys? It was in my oh, childhood uh, trauma. I think thing. I did actually. No, I haven't. Yeah. Is that Henry Selleck? No, no, no. Just parts okay. of the okay. this movie reminded me of that because there are like literally just like killer toys <laughs> in both of these films. Oh. It's just like ah. Uh, that, oh, these yeah, parts like okay. kind of scared me as a kid with the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Not enough mm-hmm. to put it on my childhood trauma video, but enough that it was like these toys are trying to kill these children right now. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, it's it's just right in the Nightmare Before Christmas with the fear stuff because it, it it's just fascinating enough for I think a kid to be like, oh, this is creepy, but I kind of like the creepiness to this. It's not mm-hmm. scaring me away; it's kind of making me more in, into it because it's just so odd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked the uh, the lyricism in each song. Mm-hmm. Each song made sense in a in, in a way that like it got you from point A to point B at any moment in the story, or like yeah. was there to add character. Um, didn't really feel like any song was a wasted time. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like there was any fat yeah. there. Everything moved story forward. Which do you think is the strongest? Um, my favorite is Jack's Lament. That's my favorite one. Mm. I don't know if I would say the strongest because that I don't know. That's like a different implication, <laughs> but that that one's my yeah, favorite true. for sure. Yeah, that's my favorite too. This is Halloween. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know it's the opening, but yeah, yeah, it's a great way to open. Well, I think the it is movie. one of those ones. Yeah, it is. It's like the best song. It's like wow, yeah. this movie's gonna be fucking awesome. <laughs> I love yeah, when movies just into get it. right into it. Yeah, but I think the soundtrack is good enough where it just poll 50 people and everyone's just gonna have a different one i I think it's that good Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and like you said every every song actually tells the story and moves it forward no song is just shoehorned in Mm -hmm. for the soundtrack yeah (laughs) just a bad time it's just like it's a perfectly told story it's also jam-packed with music Mm -hmm. like it, it the lion king is considered like a musical film but the song's in the Lion King are so much more spaced out. It's like there's there's like a normal movie for like 70 80% of the movie and then some yeah. song like 20% songs. This movie is like 65 70% songs at least. It's like most of the movie is just songs. There's barely any time between the songs in this film, but it works really well because the story is told through the songs. Yeah. Yeah, Danny Elfman is probably the main thing that makes it come together. I think it's kind of his ultimate achievement in my mind. Because that is what is you're left with. Now that I'm learning that Danny Elfman didn't do the talking Jack voice, now I'm just thinking of like how complex that would be. for Because there's some, there's some songs mm-hmm. where he's like talking and singing at the same time, you know? Yeah, I've wondered like about where, that. There's, there's a few of those. He's like, what? the heck i went and did my best sort of thing it's like one after the other i guess they just i guess they just coordinated it really well that's that's fucking interesting it sounds so natural it mm-hmm. sounds like the same person talking and singing whatever they did worked mm-hmm. very well yeah yeah that's crazy danny elfman's probably the greatest composer 
to ever live. Him and He's John Williams. Up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Simpsons the Batman theme. theme. Simpsons oh, yeah. theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bunch of hits. I do. <laughs> well, just those are like, you know, those are pretty fucking iconic. Yeah. It was so iconic, they threw it in Justice League for no reason. They threw it in what? Justice League has the Batman, the Batman theme. They threw oh, it in. Oh wow! Justice League. Yeah, didn't Danny, Danny Elfman do some of the music on Justice yes, League? Yes, he did. He, I think, he composed the score for the whole film, actually. Bizarre. And he just threw in that little music cue, even though Ben Affleck's Batman is not connected to that. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. You don't need consistency. <laughs> Yeah, yeah at that cares. point, just yeah. a little that homage. Yeah, figure it out as you go. <laughs> like the script for the Hunt Down the Freeman. <laughs> Sorry, I have no criticism. It's just the movie's so good. It means so much to me because I've been watching it every mm-hmm. year for yeah. uh, you know, fifteen years or whatever, however long. <laughs> it's it's a great fucking movie. It is. It probably yeah. gets a ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets a ten biased. for me too. Yeah. yeah. I just <laughs> It just has no fat. All the songs are nah, perfect. It's, it's just, just it's just good. nothing to pick apart. Mm-hmm. There's nothing even really aged about it with, you know, the animation anyway. It's not that weird period where they started putting like early mm-hmm. CG stuff in or anything like that. It's just pure stop motion for the most part. There was there was a little bit of CG. Yeah, a little bit. There's a tiny bit. Uh, I mean, I mean, in a way that you know is like pulling you out of the movie yeah, and yeah. ruining it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Pulled up my IMDb and noticed it was a 9 out of 10 and went, what the fuck, and changed it to a 10. So. <laughs> there you go. That's to me, fair. it's such an easy 5 out of 5. I, I like yeah. to even think about it. <laughs> what, I even think, what can you even think of to bring it down? Like, I just... This is perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a classic for a reason. Glad I rewatched it. It won't be the last time I watch it. So, mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, amazing, awesome movie. <laughs> glorious <laughs> alright and I, I guess it is time to go to the actual yeah. film recommendation we saw another movie too mm-hmm. which was boring because <laughs> it's a, a black and white Japanese film from 1953 mm-hmm. called Tokyo Story spoilers directed by yeah spoilers for Tokyo Story um, you've had plenty of time to see it though uh, <laughs> it's directed by Yasujiro Ozu, I believe that's how you say his name, who's like a famous mm-hmm. Japanese director. Mm-hmm. And I think this this film's most famous for its cinematography and his style specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you guys think of how it looked in particular? I thought that it was really well framed. It's like, it, it reminds yeah. me of, um, there's a lot of recent directors that I like that, you know, lots of stationary shots. Mm-hmm. And then just having really good framing, and that just it, it gives it a sense of like professionalism in a way. Like it, it yeah, feels yeah, a bit more yeah. meticulous in that way. Mm-hmm. So I definitely got those vibes. I did like the way it was shot for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The they seem to intentionally use this idea of like the frame within a frame type thing. With the there's so many door frames, mm. literally framing like mm-hmm. a lot of shots in the movie, which. You know, it was just, as you said, it, it does make it look very professional, very slick, flows really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Minimalism. That was like his style. Yeah. Which he mm-hmm. was like... Very was low angles. Comparing well. it to like Buddhism. Like the, you know, it's just very simple way of yeah, telling that, the story. Yeah, that makes sense actually. And that kind yeah. of made the drama, it enhanced the drama. It makes all of the filmmaking parts like less distracting. So you're just mm-hmm. focusing on the characters and like, you know, their interactions. 
And that's kind of what made this film so timeless. Like, even watching it now, I was, like, really into what's going on. And the movie looks mm -hmm. great. A lot of low angles, like, on the floor. Yeah. Um, I guess because they sit down yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, the characters are also on the floor. <laughs> yeah. the movie. But even in yeah. shots where they're not sitting down, it's, it's stationary. Yeah. It's low angle. Yeah. Uh, often a lot of, like, um, characters just looking right at the camera or, like, around the camera. Like, head on, mm -hmm. close up. <laughs> um, and it works. It's it's really interesting style. I could see like how Wes Anderson is inspired by it, or mm -hmm. other directors like yeah. Ida, kind of like that. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, because I haven't seen a whole lot of older films. I'm just wondering how to like contextualize this in terms of the overall picture of of older films. So this is from '53. It's a Japanese movie. I'm just wondering, like. Yeah. In terms of this style of filmmaking and it's minimalist and, you know, good framing, it's not really like the first to do it. No, it's one of the most, it's one of his, well, first of all, it's like his trademark style, this mm -hmm. director in particular, all of his movies it's are just like refined like it. Yeah. This is like mm -hmm. a refined example. Um, this is considered one of his best films. Okay. And it shows, I mean, it's very effective, the movie and very kind of delicate and relatable the way they explore the family and they just over time develop them and just give them more and more texture and by the end you're kind of really with the grandparents and through mm -hmm. the the sadness of it all because it is kind of a story yeah, it's of, a very sad movie yeah it's it's just the story of how to not kind of get caught up because there's this ongoing thing with the dialogue everyone's saying oh you're too busy to deal with me you don't you you're always busy you got stuff to do all the time and it is a uh, it's just an observation of, you know, busy people and forgetting about those important to them and how easy that is to do in the mm -hmm. kind of mad rush that is life and how sad that can be when it is these like large families you wouldn't expect to kind of splinter apart and not be and not come together when they need to. And the sadness of that is quite striking towards the end, the way they kind of pull the rug out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The daughter was also just like a massive bitch the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, she was horrible. She <laughs> yeah, was the horrible. only the only one who's like nice to the grandparents is the the wife of the son they yeah, that died in World War Two. Yeah, stepdaughter uh, died in World War Two. There was that whole like World War Two um, subtext going on, just like the last movie mm. uh, we saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the fireflies. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It is a very interesting setting, or, or the Pacific War. It's called. Okay. Yeah, I just like the idea of focusing on the, the older generation, the grandparents mm -hmm. specifically, that have lived a life and they have a whole history to them. And seeing their perspective instead of the kind of youthful perspective is is interesting because everyone's going to be there at some point and that's part of what the film is about. Is you know Everyone kind of forgetting about old people and not treating them the same way you might yeah. a younger person when in fact everyone's going to be there. I'm just trying to, again, for like contextualizing what... I guess I guess you guys might not know the answer to this too, but like I always assumed that like Japanese culture elders were respected and appreciated. You know, you say like sometimes people just forget about like older people, but this 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 seems like kind of like a very different story than what would be a traditional or like standard Japanese household or anything, right? Well, yeah, I'm yeah. wondering if it's more because it's post World War Two mm -hmm. and the kind of business boom and the the way it was encouraged to, you know, succeed and, you know, yeah, in that kind of way that maybe 
the family values weren't being as addressed in the same yeah. way and the, the director was trying to talk about that i'm not sure yeah okay because like i never really caught that the especially the daughter character was ignoring them because she was like afraid of not succeeding in her business or anything like that i just like it, it just seemed like she did just didn't feel like being around them yeah That's she was just distracted just making excuses yeah 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 like she could have at any moment and the mm-hmm. stepdaughter literally just asked for a day off and the guy was like fine yeah okay and it was just like as easy as that mm-hmm. so yeah and i think that's what the film's about like you should respect your elders you should respect your parents and your your grandparents so mm-hmm. uh showing it like as a negative example i think i bet there's some conflict that families have it's like deconstructing those family values mm-hmm. like yeah we try to look up to our parents but sometimes it's it's difficult or sometimes they don't give a shit about us or whatever. Um, but the only character who connects with the grandparents is, um, I forgot her name, but it's the, the stepdaughter. Her name is the, Noriko. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the family tree on my... Oh, yeah? Yeah, Noriko. Yeah, daughter, their daughter-in-law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's kind of paralyzed and, with and it's cause she Yeah, because she's lonely because she has yeah, no one else in her life. So she actually... She, yeah, it's the daughter-in-law. Shit. <laughs> so she actually appreciates. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And her her husband was their son, who died. Mm. Yeah, passed away. Yeah, I got that. Um, I just so, used the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she's yeah. She's actually she doesn't have anyone in her life, so she actually appreciates this bond with like these grandparents, and you know, even though they're not related to her. Yeah, in, by blood. Yeah. I, I thought that was interesting. And also probably because they're related to her dead husband, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a reminder yeah, of, of him and she, you know, still has his picture mm-hmm. and she hasn't moved on and started dating anybody else. So like yeah. that, it, it, there's she a logical reason why yeah. she would want to have like a relationship with them and spend more time with them and like actually mm-hmm. cherish that. So yeah, that's a pretty heavy scene. And then when she passes away, um, What's uh, uh Tommy when Tommy passes away toward the end of the film, Noriko's like you you guys didn't appreciate. She basically like you didn't appreciate your parents. You didn't appreciate the relationship mm-hmm. at all. You were just so caught up in your own lives. I was really picking up on the kind of nihilism that the movie yeah. kept kind of mm-hmm. talking about. the 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 drinking scene was a major moment for me, where the the granddad and some old buddies kind of gather together and get pissed up and. This kind of the first time he he goes a bit deeper into his true thoughts of, of you know what's going on, mm-hmm. and there is is a sad scene where they're talking about all their sons and all their kids, sorry, and how they consider them to be almost failures in their eyes, and how kind of toxic that is, and that whole dynamic was really interesting to me. Yeah. And the the grandfather yeah. he he kind of acknowledges how it's a shitty thing to to feel. He, he's not like the his friend who's kind of just straight up being an asshole about his son and being like, yeah, he's just straight up a disappointment and stuff like this. But mm-hmm. it is a downer in that regard, especially with at the end as well. Isn't life disappointing? Yes, nothing but disappointment. There's lots of kind of dour stuff like that. And you, you can't really avoid it when talking about the subject. It is a dour subject and you're not really doing it justice if you're not going going to go to those lengths, you know? Yeah. But there's a moral to be learned. Appreciate yeah, that time exactly. you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's better to learn it from a film than to learn it in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, from yeah. real life. 
when you can't undo I mean, something. Yeah, exactly. Can't rewind. Yeah. I really, I really, really love what this film is exploring. I love the concept. I love the idea for the story. I do also kind of feel like, in some ways, it feels like timeless, but in other ways, it really doesn't. Like, I can, you know, it, it is a little aged. And one of the things that I would say my biggest criticisms would be with would be like the, the acting. I, I, I didn't think that all of the acting was great. Noriko, there were a few scenes, uh, quite quite a lot of scenes actually, where she's smiling, and then in the, but in the context of the film, there's nothing like sarcastic or cringe about the way she's smiling. Mm-hmm. But in the performance, it's like she looks like she's uncomfortable. She looks <laughs> she looks like she's like disgusted <laughs> by the grandparents. But I'm like, I know that's not what you're communicating based on the context of the movie and the script, but through the performance that's what I feel is being communicated. Mm-hmm. And that was a bit distracting at points. And, you know, it, in yeah. a lot of ways, not just that, but like other parts of the acting, the the further back you go in time, the more the performances are going to seem like very stage performance-esque, the more that acting mm-hmm. uh, for film is going to look closer to acting for theater in a way. And so mm-hmm. that right. is mm-hmm. kind of distracting. And at for the tone for this movie's going for, it is a bit over yeah. the top. Especially for what it's going for. Because like, mm-hmm. I was imagining yeah. this as like... It really reminded me of like a lot of modern indie films, in a way, that tackle mm-hmm. something like this type of story where it's just, you know, small scale focused on this family, you know. Yeah. And, and, and for a lot of older classic films, I would argue that remaking it, you'd be losing a lot of what the original film is but watching this one as much as i loved what it was i feel like like if i saw like a remake of this given the right director i wouldn't like hate that there was a remake like i wouldn't you know there's a lot that you could improve in that in that sense i think i don't know Mm -hmm. with a different style i kind of like the fact that that it's from the 50s and it still Mm -hmm. resonates and speaks you know for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's still so relatable even though it is from such a long time ago so many generations removed but the messages are still as powerful Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean that's that again me saying that one of my favorite aspects is like the story and what it was tackling and the ideas Mm. not necessarily the film itself as, as yeah. much as I do love the framing, <laughs> the cinematography is great. Um, uh-huh. Just film as a medium, I feel like this this is most successful as a story rather than the you know performances. I do have to admit, I find it difficult when a, a movie's in a, a language that I'm not familiar with. Just mm-hmm. how many of the intricacies that I'm missing out on in terms of body language and yeah. just delivery of dialogue and that kind of stuff. So I'm always a bit unsure of how to kind of tackle that kind of thing because it's really hard to tell sometimes when it is intentional when it's not and Mm -hmm. just all the stuff you're missing so i I remember reading someone a sardon cast listener left some comment ages ago saying like yeah i I, i'm i'm dutch you know whenever i watch movies that are in dutch i find things that i specifically target that i don't like because i see all the specific details in that performances that Mm -hmm. people outside might never even pick up on so yeah of I'm course thinking about them and watching it there's but. a bunch of spanish speakers that tell me that the acting in uh wreck is actually bad but i don't see it <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny yeah that's what i mean yeah yeah it, it, is, it is a weird thing to know yeah mm-hmm. 
but yeah, that I didn't really notice it too bad in this movie. Yeah. To be honest, I thought it was actually it actually was pretty good all round in terms of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I was never really pulled out f- of the movie from any kind of technical reason. I was really into just the, especially the dialogue and just the way the characters were mm-hmm. being fleshed out over the time. Yeah, it's a good story <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I just love the look of it. Mm. The, the look of it is really what makes it mm-hmm. stand out. I just love watching yeah. it. Yeah, even with the subtitles off, you can just yeah. marvel at the way it looks. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> the way everything's framed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it had a pretty good score. I like the music. I also mm, like yes. the way that yes. music was used at points. Mm-hmm. Again, very minimal too. Yeah, very like, it was low used volume very at some points. Mm-hmm. And despite the technical limitations of the time, it actually had pretty good sound design. I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel that way too. Mm-hmm. A lot of sound design, like even Stalker, there was sound design that took me out of it. And this didn't have any moments like that. It was all like technically, I thought it was pretty perfect. Yeah, so there's some like eye lines and like breaking the the 180. Well, I think that's intentional. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's just his style. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen another one of his movies. Yeah, there's too many things that I have to eventually mm-hmm. get to. That yeah, I'd like to see more. You know, of these. It's just it, mm-hmm. it's impossible to put into context the greater picture of of like what's happening in terms of like breakthroughs of of filmmaking or like what inspired what. Because I'm looking at this, I'm thinking like, okay, Stanley Kubrick directed the Passive Glory in 1957, but that's a completely different country, right? And so I'm just like, I try to Mm -hmm. think of like the the overall greater context of of where the film is. But yeah, I'm I'm so far away. Well, it's called Tokyo Story, so I think it's I think it's a film about Japan and Japan cinema. I'm like, I gotta get through Kurosawa first. Yeah, I gotta get through samurai movies. I gotta get through Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I, I did all that yeah. so we could get to directors like um like uh ozu mm-hmm. also these guys have so many films they have yeah, so I was many looking at his imdb earlier <laughs> and he's directed just a shit it's the yeah. japanese work ethic yeah the I, perfectionist it, <laughs> <laughs> well because like i don't know you look at fucking takashi Miike. he's got like over a hundred movies literally over a yeah. hundred movies it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. For some reason, I find it weirdly calming, though. Before they get to the really depressing stuff, mm-hmm. I found it quite calming, just the kind of serene way they present everything, you know? Yeah. It's homely in that way. Mm-hmm. There's also a movie called Tokyo Twilight he directed. That might be a sequel. Or at really? least has a... At least has some that? of the same cast. No. <laughs> it says Tokyo in oh, the title. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It has some of the same cast, I believe. Well, I was looking at his movie Late Spring, which is about like someone in their 20s looking after their father. So he seems to be quite obsessed with this idea of like the younger generation caring for the elders and this kind of whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Passing that message along <laughs> in his work. I mean, he does a good job. He convinces you of his side yeah. pretty well. Yeah, I think that is an important theme of the film. Yeah, no, I, I definitely well. agree. Yeah. There's also Kobayashi, mm-hmm. and I have not seen Harakiri yet, but I've heard it's great. It's number 33 on the top 250, geez. This is on the top 250, isn't it? Tokyo yeah. Story. Yes. 178 at the moment. Yeah, I'll slowly, slowly get through older films. I just, I watch so many newer <laughs> films. 
Spend so much time editing shit, too. It's just too many movies. It's too much. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's literally impossible to watch every movie because there's mm-hmm. so many movies being made. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. well, I'm trying to go forward mm-hmm. in time at the same time. So it's sometimes a bit difficult to go backwards in time. Mm-hmm. This is one, you, you kind of got to be in the mood for it. It's very yeah. slow and not plot It's driven. not nearly as slow as the fucking Kobayashi film I watched on Halloween. Mm. Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> that was quite done. This this didn't feel yeah, slow didn't, to me. It doesn't really linger. Um, I would say, despite it not feeling like super slow, it did feel a bit repetitive. I feel like the entire first half of the movie was communicating one idea that was pretty clear, like pretty early into it. And it was like hammering and reinforcing that same idea of like, oh, okay, so their actual kids don't give a shit about them <laughs> and their uh, mm-hmm. daughter-in-law <laughs> cares about them sort of thing. And it's nice. Uh, it, mm-hmm. I'm not saying like it should have only taken like five minutes or something. It is nice that it gets developed, but it did start to feel a bit repetitive for me. I was like, I, I, I mm-hmm. got it. I got everything. I didn't feel it was that repetitive. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I, fe- I felt like it was doing one thing for a while. Mm-hmm. But There was a moment at the end where the the son that was late to the grandmother's death, he was like late and said, oh, if I got the 8.30, I would have got there on time or whatever. There was one little bit of re-corporation with his line about how you can't, you know, address people once they're dead. That was... I don't know, Mm -hmm. it just didn't seem necessary to me because it didn't seem that long ago where that scene was like established and that dialogue Mm -hmm. was already in your head Mm -hmm. that him going back to it was like, yeah, we we, we get it. Yeah. But that's such like a nitpick. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it could have been two hours instead of 2.16 without really losing anything. Yeah, it probably could have been, but maybe I don't know what. I mean, yeah, if you're looking at 50s movies, the pacing is going to be different. Yeah. I wonder how they paced movies back then. Like now, we have hyper awareness of like the human attention span and how long yeah. like people can handle a scene. Study after study. The, the, yeah. the story structure at this point is pretty much down to a science. It's like you pretty much plug in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back then, they, they took their time. It was it was different, and yeah, and that's why I like you know the rough edges. Uh, I feel like some of, maybe some of the repetitions almost the point. Um, like in the mm-hmm. opening, there's a lot of repetition of shots, specifically when they enter the mm-hmm. home. Um, I like the layout of the house a lot, and mm-hmm. I like the way he shows it that you really understand how everything is in the house, and like the, mm-hmm. the kitchen's this way, and then if you make a left down the hallway, that's the front door. It's, it was yeah. like very clear what was yeah. going on. Yeah, it feels like a small location. And some films, you know, it's just it's just a bunch of close-ups of shit, and you're just like, what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the space was very clear. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like verticality and a lot of hallways and just like blockiness that was very satisfying. Like straight edges. <laughs> the movie's mm-hmm. very satisfying to watch. Symmetrical because everything's so well framed. Yeah, it's very symmetrical. Reminded me of Kubrick almost. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, the framing's very perfect. I love the way he frames people, like the the the, the couple, um, mm-hmm. the grandparents, like just sitting together, looking at the camera. Like it, it was just yeah, it was very well done. All that stuff. The look of the movie's the best thing about it. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like the concept more than I like the look. I like the look a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the framing a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's beautifully done. I like what it tries to tackle more though. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. It's mature. Yeah, it reminded me of like Paris, Texas, that family mm-hmm. drama too. Very small scale about like the location. Yeah, and the people and just the what well, they're talking Their about. Little getaway problems. in the city. It was at the spa. Was great. Yeah, the country versus suburbs thing was yeah was fun as well. Just great locations, dynamic. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. When they were like on that, I don't know what it was. It was like a there's the ocean behind them, and then there's like a little concrete. Yeah, it was like a wall. Con- yeah, yeah, like a yeah, wall. That was cool. And they were just yeah. walking along it. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of striking stuff. Utilized the city very well. Mm-hmm. I have no criticism, really. I mean, I, I kind of agree with what you said about some of the acting and the dated mm-hmm. nature of it. Yeah, that, but that was that's about it. Okay. Um, what you said about the watch too was like a a good or not the yeah whatever you said, Alex was a good point. <laughs> the thing you just said before, um, I didn't think about that. Uh, but I thought this, I think this is pretty immaculate. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed this a lot. Um, I'd, I'd probably give it a four and a half stars if I had to give it a rating. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see it again at some point. Uh, I don't know when, but <laughs> I'd like, it's a movie I'd like to show people. Yeah. As long as you go in knowing when it's from and the context of it, I think it's very, very enjoyable. There's, yeah. there's so much to take in about it. Uh, it's a really cool part of film history. Yeah. My ultimate takeaway was this kind of idea of, you know, to not fall prey to the expectations of your parents. But at the same time, don't forget they're like flawed people, just like you, mm-hmm. who are just as much a, like a product of the time as you are. It just gets you thinking. It was one of those kind of movies. There's lots of concepts being thrown around, lots of ideas of regret and mortality and mm. family. There's just a lot to relate to, a lot to think about, a lot to delve into. I, I, yeah, there's nothing really that can chip this away from a five star for me. I, I really, really like this. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> and I'm giving this one a 7 out of 10. It's something that I'll definitely see again. I can imagine it going up to an 8 at least. Uh, admittedly, I was actually not in a really good mood when I watched it. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, I don't want to get into it. It's not a mood lifter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot that I did enjoy about it, despite you know it feeling dated in negative ways at points. But uh, yeah, really great overall. I might raise the rating on a on another watch. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, cool it's something that I'll definitely see again, and I could imagine. Yeah. I, I imagine myself probably enjoying it more the next time. Yeah, awesome. Good, Good job, Ozu. Yeah, thank you. He did write the film along with uh, I think someone else. Yeah, Kogo Noda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I'm saying the name wrong. I probably am. What, Ozu? I think I'm saying it correctly. It's, yeah, is yeah. I mean. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing nothing too wrong with it yeah you never know they said Ong wrong in the last airbender movie yeah exactly Ong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a pretty simple name they say they say zazu wrong in the lion king 2019 <laughs> oh really what do they say they say zazu ah uh, yeah okay and so there's there's two there's two actors that say zazu correctly and everybody else says zazu and the two the two that say it correctly were the only two that were a part of previous productions of The Lion King that had nothing to do with John Favreau. So Shahadi Wright Joseph, oh, yeah. who was in the stage production Broadway thing, and James Earl Jones, who was in the original film, they say it correctly. <laughs> Everybody else who, whose first experience with The Lion King is John Favreau manages to say it wrong. I wonder why. Completely wrong. Yeah. Wow. Zazu. That's, Isn't yeah. John Oliver just making fun of it at this point? I'm pretty yeah. sure I saw a, a clip of him just making fun of it. 
He's yeah. Sexy. It's it's funny. <laughs> yeah. And frustrating. Good observation. Yeah. Hey. I've been working on it too long. I want to be done with this piece of shit. Anyway, question time. <laughs> Let's do some questions from the Sardonicast community then. If you want to leave your own questions, head over to the Sardonicast subreddit and go into the suggestion thread and ask us whatever you feel like. GGG375 is going to start us off this time. Is it wrong for people to give so much credit to directors when filmmaking is such a collaborative process? Do you think people being so focused on directors when discussing a film undermines others' work on the film, like set designers, concept artists, etc.? I don't think that it inherently undermines other people's work, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if your name is on it as the director, like you are responsible for... These, like, if you want to pass off blame onto somebody else and be like, oh, this set design is a piece of shit. They didn't even do what I wanted. Like, you can do that. But, like, you approve what's happening in the film as a director unless there's, like, a huge producer or studio interference and money deciding that things should be yeah. a certain way that you didn't actually want. But, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to give the most credit to a director on a project. It seems to level out in terms of the director gets all the credit or all the blame. Exactly. Seems, so. <laughs> Double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's an industry. People are getting paid. Mm-hmm. If they do good work, they'll get on another gig, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, I think I think that's what they're more worried about than, like, you know, their work being undermined. Like, I don't know. I don't think it undermines their work at all. I think they do great work. The director can decide to work with talented people in any one of these fields, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, a director might be like, I want... I want to work with Trent Reznor and Atticus Russ for the soundtrack. And the soundtrack will still get properly praised in that way for like something like the social network. But you can also still, you know, it's still the movie of the director, right? It's still a David mm-hmm. Fincher mm-hmm. movie. So I think we're attributing credit correctly. Yeah. <laughs> You're all wrong. We're right. Sorry. <laughs> it's just a product of any kind of artistic product that is a result of so many people coming together and working together it's just so complicated it's what the credits are for i suppose if you're looking to credit every single person but when we're just talking about movies it is easier to kind of condense it into the figurehead which is often the director Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then neil breen just does all the other jobs anyway so you can only really credit one person (laughs) yeah then there's the auteurs like him there's only one person in the credits. He's, he's like the sole... I would just call him a filmmaker. He's the sole filmmaker of those movies. Mm-hmm. You can't really call him like a <laughs> writer, director, editor, costume designer, lighter, <laughs> gaffer. <laughs> it reminds me of like when you first um, you first discover Windows Movie Maker and you'd like credit yourself as every role. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Pigeon Slayer 666 has one for us. I recently watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and as I watched it, I kept thinking how much worse the movie would have been with a bigger budget, as the low budget forced them to come up with some very creative solutions. Are there any movies you think benefited from a low budget, or perhaps the other way round? Any high budget movies you think had too big a budget for their own good? Hmm. Huh. That's a good question. Like, trauma shit? Like, Black Dynamite, uh, yeah, Black Dynamite's a low budget movie, Mm -hmm. but that was made intentionally, um, kind of poorly but it was also low budget it it fit that one really well escape from tomorrow is an obvious one like evil dead 2 yeah evil dead yeah the evil dead movies for sure 
there I think the story behind the film's production is as important or even more important actually than the film itself like the story of that the movie is trying mm-hmm. to tell mm-hmm. what else like there's thing there's there's plenty of movies that have low budget and that's like a part of its charm I'm just trying to think like that other, the other side of the question of like what movie has too big of a budget for its own good it's like how do you even hmm daddy's home too <laughs> Oh yeah, like any Adam Sandler million. comedy or some shit, where it's like sometimes it's like mm-hmm. the the fact that it is so produced just adds to how disgusting it is. Yeah. No, I've got yeah. one. Um, do you remember that Robin Hood movie from 2018? Oh god, I remember <laughs> of it. I never saw it. Um, it had Electro in it. A hundred million dollar budget. Oh yeah, though. <laughs> <That Electro. laughs> It's just like that. That budget's just not helping that project in any way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's just like a flop. It's just like money burning. Ben Hur. Yeah. They remade that. Yeah, Ben Hur and like cats as well. Cats. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. If cats didn't have the money for all that shitty CG, then they might have had to use actual costumes. If it was a $20 million stop motion (laughs) movie like Nightmare Before Christmas, it probably would have been better. It would have been much better. Or like, yeah, animate the whole thing then. Why don't you? Yeah. Fuck it. The freaky live action, like yeah, yeah. What's cat the point CGI of it being live thing? action anymore? If you're going to animate everything but their faces, <laughs> like <laughs> the whole movie's animation, almost. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure most Illumination movies are under that price, so yeah. they probably could have got it done. I think the answer to that question is because you can see the celebrity's face, and they had a lot of celebrities <laughs> in the movie, fucking Taylor mm-hmm. Swift and shit. Yeah, true. That was like their whole plan. Taylor Swift won an Oscar. Yeah. She wanted to perform at the Oscars, that song she wrote mm. for Cats. You know, that's what she wanted. Meow. Yeah, I'm st- I still haven't seen it. I'm just too scared to watch it. Oh, yeah, they did go to cat school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently, <laughs> to learn how to be cats. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking stupid. Uh. <laughs> Tom Hooper, everybody. Oh, man. <laughs> you really don't have to see it. You can just look at screenshots yeah. of... You know, get nightmares from that. People have clipped the most disturbing parts from it already. Yeah. <laughs> most of the movie is just kind of fucking boring. Some of the music's good, but... But that's how bad the movie is, that you could take a screenshot from any point and it, like, freaks people out. Yeah. It's because the animation's freaky looking. Yeah, it is It is mm. really funny that, like... It's just like, a bad choice. The yeah. trailer came out and everybody's like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect case of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Exactly. Just because you can animate all those CGI cats doesn't mean you should make that it's whole shocking. movie. Yeah. It's shocking. It's kind of disturbing Tom. and shocking. Yeah. And people learn their lessons. I don't think they'll do that again. <laughs> it's that amount of money. It's just... Yeah. It's That's crazy. another uh, <laughs> example of blaming the director, really. Because like, the individual animators probably did not want to do that. <laughs> They're just hired to do that. Yeah. You know? so They're just like... doing their jobs. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, he overworked them. He was... Well, he made up things like cat school. Yeah. He thought that was a good idea. <laughs> like, who do you blame for that? Blame Tom. Yeah. Gotta blame Tom. At the end, you just I just blame the film. Just as a piece of art, it did not do it for me. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need to attack like individual people. I'm sure Tom Hooper um, cared a lot about his Cats movie because he was clearly editing it till the, the day it premiered. <laughs> He was literally like scrambling to finish it the, the night. Like the, they the fucking patched it. 
Yeah. They, they literally patched, patched it, it when it was in yeah. theaters. <laughs> I'm convinced the Blu-ray release is completely different than... Yeah, is there any way to yeah. find that original version? Would there even be any way? I'm sure it's somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like Maybe a there's cam. like some cam yeah. of it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The trailer's very different. I did watch it in theaters, so I did see that version. Oh, you saw it, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> saw the pure Yeah, opening cut. day. <laughs> I, oh, I saw it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Blu-ray. It was definitely a film. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll stand the test of time. I hate myself and want to die. That's their Reddit name. What are your thoughts okay. on the people who don't <laughs> like Charlie Kaufman's work because they think the characters are pathetic or privileged? I thought his characters were supposed to be flawed because they're a reflection of both Kaufman and the audience. This reminds me of those Ask Reddit threads where it's like, hey, people who did do this annoying thing, why do you do that? And the answer is like already in the question. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well... I mean, you probably expect all of us to agree with you. Sorry, <laughs> not n- no offense. I want to kill myself or whatever your name is. <laughs> um, I uh, hate myself and want uh, to die. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, no offense. I'm not trying to put you down, but so you- you're kind of answering the question within the question, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's kind of the whole. I point. mean, yeah, if somebody wants to have their own interpretation of a film, that doesn't offend me at all. But yeah, I, I agree that his characters are supposed to be flawed. Yeah, it's it's like funny to make fun of the like tropes that certain writers like tend to use, like the self-deprecating main characters and stuff. But at the end of the day, is it's intentional. It's he, he's going for a certain thing and yeah. doing it pretty well. He's got his own style. There, he seems to be doing it very very well. <laughs> yeah, I would. Would you say there's like Kaufman imitators? Because I don't know if I could point one out. Really, seems like he's doing his own thing for the most part. No, because his like movies don't doing. make money, yeah. so no one yeah. wants yeah, to exactly. copy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, it's too creative and weird. To to mimic it would like kind of defeat the whole point and just be so on the nose and obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His films yeah. are so different, too. They're all weird. That's about the only connecting thread. I would say Spike Jones's Her reminded me of Kaufman. That yeah. if you told me Kaufman mm, wrote yeah. it and Spike Jones didn't, I would be like, okay. And I wouldn't mm. question it. Yeah. that's There is shared DNA there, though, isn't there? So Yeah, they worked together. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure exactly. I'm sure yeah. Spike Jones inspired Kaufman's directing as much as Kaufman's writing yeah. inspired Spike yeah, Jones' yeah. Yeah. writing. Quentin Tarantitis says, Do you think nice. there will ever be a point in time where VFX become indistinguishable to real life, or do you think the audience's eyes will always adapt to and notice it? Yes, it will happen eventually. Maybe a long time from now. I would now. argue that some of the best <laughs> VFX are already that way, and you've just never noticed it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's actually not a bad point. <laughs> but yeah. I guess the question might might apply to because when you make effects that look real in current day it has to be under certain conditions and certain things right so like textures we're really good at textures now you know you can make a helicopter in the sky that looks like a real helicopter you can make fire really well now but you can't just do anything Mm -hmm. there's certain things that like making a completely computer generated human it's like something's off about their eyes still yeah i'm looking at you Mm -hmm. polar express our brains are too good i know i know yeah yeah polar express it's gotten much better but but if it keeps getting better over time eventually we will get to a point where it's indistinguishable yeah and then we have to question whether or not we're already in a simulation 
Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> already a problem. <laughs> it's like an Elon Musk conversation, yeah. Yeah. These deep fakes and everything. It is, it is scary technology. <laughs> oh, deep fakes are great. Did you see the fucking mm-hmm. new Trey Parker, Matt Stone yes. thing? Yes. I haven't watched thing? it, oh, but I've so seen funny. about it. It's funny. Oh, it's it? so hilarious. I love it. So <laughs> it's on YouTube, and it's called... What the fuck is it called? It's a great idea. Sassy Justice. <laughs> and it's on YouTube, and it's so funny. I loved it. I think they might... I don't know if they're turning this into a series. I wouldn't be surprised, but... Yeah, right How now good are the deep fakes? Are they funny? One episode. The deep fakes are f- pretty fucking good in the show. Really? Apparently they like mm. they have like a deep fake studio that they made for this <laughs> or Wait. something. Imagine having that South Park money. <laughs> well, I saw the like the title of an article and didn't click on it, so I, you you can never tell what's true, but I guess that's almost kind of the point of the show too. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's so funny. I'm excited for that point where we can like animate a movie like Tokyo Story like entirely in a computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not a bit yeah. scared of that kind of thing. So I've, I was thinking about this like when when a movie's going to be just like on set, it's like just a bunch of drones flying cameras around and like, <laughs> just perfect. It's going to get to that point. Yeah. yeah, there's already cameras that are like you don't have to adjust the focus or the exposure yeah. or anything. It just fucking scans the room. And, yeah, I suppose it will just do all that in post. Yeah, it might level the playing yeah. field a little bit if everyone can make movies of quality that high then it will just become yeah. about the stories yeah imagine you can make movies like tenet in your computer yeah. you could do anything like just, yeah just, just do yeah. perfect cinematography with your little drone you buy from yeah. the supermarket uh-huh. yeah kind of like a source filmmaker like yeah. thing except just do it in vr like the lion king super realistic yeah i mean the lion king is kind of that they anim- it's obviously hundreds of millions of dollars but mm-hmm. yeah they animate these fully rendered 3D environments in a computer it looks really good. Yeah, no, because on the on the Mandalorian they do it. They like made this dome that's just like got a big screen in the background, so they can mm-hmm. basically use it the way you would a green screen, but it has all the lighting and everything, like reflecting mm-hmm. off the armor and stuff. It's, it's some crazy oh, stuff yeah, you can do with cool. technology now. Yeah, right now it's just too expensive mm-hmm. and it's probably too big. Yeah, you have Disney to keep it in a warehouse it. or something. Yeah, but there will get like like a phone, you know, how you can just keep a phone like mm-hmm. in your pocket now. It will get to a point where it's so easy to do those things. Yeah. yeah. You can make a movie like at least like Lion King on your computer. <laughs> Getting humans like doing a drama with humans and like in your computer, <laughs> that'd probably be very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um maybe like a hundred years away from that kind of shit. But mm-hmm. I mean I, I can kind of imagine it happening. I, I I bet no one wants to watch that shit either. Part of the problem is that to make something convincing enough to be indistinguishable from reality, there would have to be so many factors that you would have to consider. Like, there would be things about, like, the audio that you'd have, you'd, you know, like, the difference between someone t- talking into a microphone versus, like, the microphone being in the room, like, something that was accounted for. And, you know, mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox, they just had people, like, in the environments mm-hmm. running around with, you know, they filmed it like a movie, basically. Or they recorded the audio yeah. like a movie instead of just actors in a booth. Stuff like that. Or, I don't know, like the way the camera moves or like the focus. Like, I'm not saying that it's impossible for all of these things to be considered at one point in the future. But I think that it's pretty likely that even if the technology is there, I, I just don't expect that even great directors will all account for every factor, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so many factors to consider that, you know, just the human mind. (laughs) 
<laughs> not not likely to catch every single thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it is also about the implementation too. Like I I keep thinking about how bad these like new Jurassic Park films look, how like cartoony uh-huh. and ridiculous they look. Then you go back to the nineties one, and the CG yep. in that movie looks better than the ones coming out now. And I'm yep. thinking, what it's what's used. gone wrong there? It's yeah, decades sure. apart. Yeah, they just it's yeah. all done one on the computer. Effort. <laughs> One's well thought out. Yeah. Yeah. Dinosaurs are kind of in broad daylight. Hmm. There's hundreds of them running down a mountain while it explodes. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. While they're in a fucking hamster yeah. ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no. That's yeah. What I mean, like they have that technology and they do too much with it uh-huh. to where your yeah. brain's like, this is completely unrealistic. It's the wrong and philosophy. It, yeah. It's the wrong. It, they're doing too much. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people will take that and just kind of scale it down. Like, yeah, we, let's just use it to make a drama <laughs> or something. Yeah. We're like real people in a mocap studio and then everything else is CGI and it's just a drama. And people will probably do that. <laughs> and it'll probably be interesting. It's that tried and true George Lucas quote with him saying about, you know, mm-hmm. special effects or whatever. It's yeah. supposed to be a tool. He's and a not... groundbreaking filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't quite there, but he kind of, I guess he kind of saw it, that too. Yeah, he, he described the philosophy, at least. Mm-hmm. Goosey McGooseface 2 has one. Do you gentlemen consider it viable for films to leave in footage of people whether actors or stunt people genuinely being injured is it exploitative or is it justified in that it provides the effect needed such as tom cruise breaking his ankle in mission impossible fallout or the stuntman who broke his leg cartwheeling from a car crash in mad max 2 Hmm. that's a famous one yeah if the stuntman approves or the stunt woman approves then i think it's great and they should put it in the movie yeah i agree I mean, they already approved when they signed their release form yeah, the only way it would be too far is if they actually like died in the stunt and they're like, no, this is too perfect of a shot. We have to leave this one in. That could be considered I'm quite... pretty sure that's happened. Mm. Oh. Hasn't that? Really? I mean, snuff films has. exist, but like yeah, whatever actually. you... Yeah, I don't know. Like there's probably been... Like The Crow still got made, right? Didn't Brandon Lee die in that movie? Like oh, still got yeah, made, right? right. Yeah, mm-hmm. he didn't die in the film. I don't believe. Okay, it was like, like a different film. Take. <laughs> they just didn't. Get... I never. Yeah, seen whenever it, I think so. of like deaths on set, I think of the mm. oh shit, what was it called? The helicopter blade, like decapitating that guy. On um. Oh yeah, yeah. John Landis Fuck films. Yeah. Oh, is it the Twilight, Twilight, yeah, the Twilight Zone? Zone movie? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, because I was going to bring that up. I'm that not quite sure oops. what happened, but. Yeah, it was entirely preventable and wound up actually <laughs> being responsible for a lot of like safety measures and uh wow, you know, standards that are seen for films and actors today. Really from that movie. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was it was it was like terrible communication between a uh, director and the pilot and the guy doing the explosives and like supposedly this is just from memory but I'm pretty sure this is what happened was like the I believe the director wanted the explosions to be like bigger and like higher and he also wanted the helicopter to be flying lower but he didn't communicate between those two people or tell the actors (laughs) and it was just like one of those like yeah it's probably good and then you know because the helicopter pilot wasn't expecting these explosives pyrotechnics to be that high or whatever he lost control and like decapitated some dude and a little kid that we're just mm-hmm. acting in a movie. <laughs> God, it's so surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I probably don't want to keep that take. No. <laughs> Might be yeah, a little I bit think... disrespectful. Yeah, I think Ralph pretty much got it with his answer, to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
Big C Baller has one. What's your opinion on television shows that try to tackle internet culture? The most notable example being Tosh.0. I don't think Tosh is funny. I've never seen it. I don't either. I I don't like those kind of things. It's America's Funniest Home Videos, but the internet now. Oh, you've been framed. And it's like the commentary isn't really needed. It doesn't really add much. I've never, I've never been entertained by his commentary on the clips. It's just the clips themselves that are amusing and funny. Do they add like a laugh track as well? I don't remember. <laughs> I think so, so actually. Yeah, pretty sure there's pretty sure there's a laugh track or an audience or whatever for that show. I think so. What other shows even try to tackle internet culture? Because I mean, like you could make that argument for like anything that references the internet at any point. Like, that's been done in a lot of shows. I usually don't like it. usually feels forced. Yeah, I don't know why they specify television shows, because when I think of, like, internet culture being integrated into, like, certain movies, it can go really wrong, but it can be really right. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's a lot of internet culture in Mr. Robot, actually, which works quite well. Oh, yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you turn on cable news today... What you will see is the news just reporting on things that are happening on the internet, whether it's the president's (laughs) tweets or any funny video or like some protest or anything. They're literally just being like, here's what was on YouTube that you could have watched earlier. Like (laughs) that's that's all the news is now (laughs) is just reporting on things that happened on the internet. It's like, well, this is why people are cutting the cord. Yeah, because it made sense when people had to send in their VHSs. But they're relevant now. Oh yeah, AFV is like fucking dead. Like, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> why would yeah. why would you give the rights to your funny home home footage away to a television show when you can keep the rights and upload it on YouTube <laughs> and yeah. probably get when more views? Yeah, the best you can yeah. get is a hundred quid for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's a dead business model, and with at least with Tosh, like you get to keep the rights to your shit. I'm pretty sure that's the dif- big difference between those two shows. Oh, it's like okay. Tosh covers it, and they have a license to cover it. But I'm pretty sure AFV, like you'd have to sell literally, like when you put your send them your VHS, it's like I'm waving all the rights to this, and now you own the footage. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Is it still around? AFV? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that we don't know is is pretty telling, <laughs> isn't it? I don't think it is. I'm, like we're talking about, it. I don't it might know. Be completely Let's irrelevant. AFV. It says to present. Yeah, Wait. it's been renewed for thirty first season. Yeah. Jesus, what the fuck? Thirty one seasons, wow. My God. Yeah, new season coming last month? <laughs> Nobody updated the <laughs> wiki. <laughs> <laughs> to be announced yeah. October twenty twenty. Yeah. October. Oops. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot Jesus. it's a lot of seasons. Yeah. They seem to yeah, be doing it looks fun. Looks like the viewership is going yeah. down. Yeah, they still got millions of viewers. Yeah. Yeah, that used to be huge, though. Bob Saget hosting. Yeah, I remember. I remember Bob mm-hmm. Saget. I was watching it when it was the second guy. I kind of missed the Bob Saget era. Mm-hmm. I forgot the second guy. His Tom Bergeron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's him. Yeah, there's no Tom point to Bergeron. it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even that funny when it was on. It was like a lot of bad jokes and the laugh track. No, the, the clips were funny. Yeah, some of the clips were funny. There was no internet back then. And then they would just give the fucking top prize to the kid. 
Because it was all audience <laughs> yeah. votes. It was audience <laughs> votes. And then as soon as it was, it would show like a fucking cute baby. It's like the baby's in the audience. You want to make the baby uh-huh. feel good, don't you? You got to vote for the baby. As soon as it showed them in like the top three spots, I'm like, the baby's fucking getting it. And it would happen mm-hmm. every single goddamn time. Right. Fucking stupid caveman brain audience members going, you you cute baby. And that's it. When they're clearly <laughs> better clips. Whatever. The funniest video never won. But that might just be like a studio setup, you know, to what? make like like they rigged it. They rigged the the oh, maybe. to make it <laughs> always like it the matters. baby one. <laughs> make it always the baby video. <laughs> yeah. But the funniest video is never one ever. Yeah, I always go to the baby. Yeah, you're so happy, baby. You won. Maybe he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, the best ones were like people getting hurt though, so they can't yeah. just be like the winners, like <laughs> the, someone the getting hit in the head, <laughs> injury, yeah, pain. Like, like yeah, come on this show, you get to see yourself yeah. get injured in football television. on the groin. Yeah. A dragon wagon has one for us. Alex, Ralph, and Adam. My girlfriend and I just watched Brazil. We both didn't like the film. Uh, mm. What do you like about the film? I'd like to know your what? opinions. You're wrong. <laughs> Remember the remember the shot where they were in the office and it panned all the way down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bum, bum, like a really bum, elaborate. Bum, 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 yeah, and they're playing bum, the music. Oh, the music. That alone is fucking amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like, that is better than energy. most movies. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking the about. Very dystopian. Yeah. <laughs> Acting. Oh, yeah, the miniatures. Terry Gilliam and his miniatures mm-hmm. is always so insane. Mm. Like, that's another example mm-hmm. of, like, super fucking convincing effects, really. It's like, yeah. Yeah. a lot of the miniatures. Very dreamlike. Yeah. I don't know. You can't convince someone else to like something that they don't, so. The themes of, like, a totalitarian society trying to control you, trying to, like, you know, conform you into one thing, and you're trying to escape. And there's, like, all these dream sequences that, like, represent him breaking free of, like, the system. Mm -hmm. There's so much shit going on. Robert De Niro. Inspired by Brave New World. Robert De Niro's character's so good. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The ending super dark. At least, at least the uh, the U.S. I think ending is a bit different. It's like a happier ending, but the real ending of Brazil yeah. is like a super dark. Great, like I awesome. love the finale. Yeah. Uh huh. Ending's amazing. Mm-hmm. Terry Gilliam's got good style. Mm-hmm. He yeah, does. He does. great style. Even though he's an idiot, yeah, he does. <laughs> he's got a few awesome movies. Fear and Loathing. He does. He has a few. Twelve Monkeys is very good. I was I was rewatching that for Bruce Willisathon. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. like yeah, he was he's quite you know Bruce Willis is fine in it, but yeah, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Twelve Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Twelve Monkeys yeah. is awesome. That's one where like the time travel actually worked. It's, it's one <laughs> like of it actually... like two movies where the time travel is consistent with itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- I would say that that's like my favorite Brad Pitt performance too is in Twelve Monkeys. He is really good in that movie. <laughs> His lazy eye is fucking perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. he's like he plays a very unique watchable character like he's transforms mm-hmm. into that character mm. it's, it's awesome yeah, yeah he really does yeah that's what i was saying yeah. about him in the in the wallace Fuck, i gotta watch that movie again holy shit he's so memorable yeah i haven't seen that one in a while anyway that's what we liked about fucking brazil like what do you yeah what do you want <laughs> well the someone mentioned monty python like one of the other questions mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah all of his stuff is very goofy and like zany like if you don't like his kind of tone that's fine yeah i could understand that it could be a bit much in the wrong yeah, yeah. like i was thinking 12 monkeys in kind of the hands of someone else and how different it could be like yeah. it would just be like a straightforward drama i believe there's even a television adaptation of it oh, that's yeah. just like a it's like a generic sci-fi show yeah it didn't look good um but terry gilliam makes it like a really silly you know fucking over the top thing that actually makes it 
stick in your brain. Mm-hmm. Like the mental asylum sequence is so memorable mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with like time travel or anything. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just this random Looney Tunes like segment in the movie. Well, yeah, just Brazil has so much imagery. The angel wings mm-hmm. and the baby faces and the stretched skin of the woman. There's oh, just so I much love that. To it. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. many great scenes. Yeah. Give it another try one day for those who don't yeah. like it. If you don't like it, watch it again. If you don't like it again, watch it again and keep going <laughs> until you like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Phil Bar Toys has one for us. What are your thoughts on YouTube poop? At its worst, it's a waste of time and embarrassing to see just how unfunny or uncreative one can be, but at its best, it can show one's editing creativity and deliver legit comedy or at least a psychedelic experience. It's always great to see you guys referenced. Shows you guys are getting around. Oh. I think that there's some really, really well-edited YouTube poops that take a lot of effort just to be a shitpost, and I commend that. You can tell. I as wouldn't well. say I go browsing for YouTube poops, though. Yeah, it was something I was into when I was like a younger teenager. You know, like when it was kind of a newer thing. There was a particular one based on clips from Spider-Man Two that I really liked, called "Revenge of the Mad oh, yeah. Madman." That's a particularly good one that still holds up to this day. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend that one. Okay. What do you think, Ralph, about poop? I, I don't have much YTP experience. No. <laughs> really, you miss the whole they're YouTube okay. poop kind yeah, of they're, they're pretty funny. Yeah, I've kind of scrolled through them. And there's, so, there's some funny ones. I guess there's an L.A. Noir one that's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I have no idea, <laughs> like, what it's called. Yeah, are, are they as popular as they ever were and I just don't watch them as much anymore? Or was there, like, a, a an era <laughs> of YouTube poops being supreme? I don't think there's still a revival. They're definitely yeah. not dead, but I just feel like they're not as they're not the meme anymore. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the joke on YouTube. I don't know if they ever were the meme, though. Yeah, this is what I mean. It's probably just in my algorithm for like a long exactly. time. Exactly, <laughs> I was about to say, like the algorithm can determine what every th- video thumbnail is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Just everything you're recommended is just shit that you're watching. <laughs> I'm sure if you watched like three YouTube poops in a row right now, you get recommended some more. Yeah, the the fresh YouTube poop content that's coming out. There's someone in the comments will say who's you know on fire in the YouTube poop community. Yeah, who's the, the best moment. pooper <laughs> on YouTube? Little Bear Jetski has one. What are your opinions on listening to album leaks? Is it morally wrong or disrespectful to the artist to listen to their music early? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's disrespectful, but you could do it anyway. It's just... Well, <laughs> I don't know, like. It... <laughs> It implies it's unfinished, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't want to watch or listen to something that's not the finished product. It's like, oh, you have it faster, but it's not as good. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I hope that mentality doesn't destroy your fucking life. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Surely, if someone's a, a fan enough to go to the effort of like finding an an early leak, it's not really morally wrong because it implies they're interested in some way, right? And chances are they'll support the main thing when it, yeah. when it comes. It's just out of interest, right? If I lose hope that it's going to be released in the next decade, then I'll watch a leak. I'm like, what the fuck's going on with that that new Gaspar Noé film with Charlotte Gainsbourg? Like, that was at Cannes mm-hmm. like two years ago. It doesn't have a release. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. definitely a leak out there for that one, but I'm just kind of just hoping that it'll get released anyway and that I don't have to watch a leak. 
What was that huge one? The movie that leaked. It was like a big profile movie, but it had no visual effects in it. What the fuck? Oh, what? Yeah, it was like a big movie that leaked somehow, but all the visual effects shots weren't finished. That sounds awesome. How recent? Yeah, that sounds great. It was a while ago. I'm pretty sure it was like kind of uh, early 2000s type. Well, not early 2000s, late 2000s, sorry. Yeah, I have no oh, idea. That, no, it was X-Men Origins that Wolverine. That's what it was. It oh, was yeah? X-Men Origins Wolverine. Really? Yeah. The whole movie leaked I watch without the, any of the visual that effects. Version. That sounds awesome. Uh, every movie needs to have that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I want a no effects version of everything. I'd for, Yeah, for some reason that just triggered a memory. I, I want to see if I can find that. That would be hilarious to watch, I think. Game of Thrones leaked early. The, oh, yeah. A few seasons. Yeah. yeah. There were like some hackers that went into HBO. Got all the seasons. It should be the law that if you have special effects in your movie, you have to release a no effects version. Because <laughs> yeah. then, then what we would have is like, you know, you'd have you'd have a movie like Cats or something with like shitty CG, and then someone would just flex on them and be like, "Okay, I did this by myself." In <laughs> yeah, my yeah. I, f- I fixed the movie for you, you idiots. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> yeah, make it way better. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, do you remember the uh, the Hateful Eight? The Hateful Eight like leaked or something. Oh, did it? I'm pretty sure the, oh. the script. Yeah, it was the, the script. script yeah. Did yeah. And Tarantino's like, I'm not gonna make the movie now. <laughs> and then he did. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Great movie. See, though. I don't know. Like people. Yeah, see, great movie. I guess Shane Shane Carruth leaked his own script for the Modern Ocean. I guess he <laughs> did that himself. But I don't know if like if a script's out before a movie's out, I'm not gonna read the script. Like, people people are like, hey, Adam, what'd you think of the leaked script? I'm like, I didn't read it. Why would I do that? I'd rather just watch the movie. Yeah, I didn't tend to chase that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I I have patience. That's something that I have. <laughs> I guess not everybody has that. I don't want to spoil the story. There's just a bunch of other movies to watch, you know? Like, I'm not, I'm not pressing to, like, watch a leaked yeah. movie when I can just watch a movie that's out. <laughs> I just read um, Revenge of the Sith was leaked. <laughs> oh, an oh, MGM employee okay. leaked it online. That was, must have been quite early, kind of internet like torrenting stuff. Two thousand and five. Yeah, and it was downloaded mm. sixteen thousand times. <laughs> mm. Awesome. Yeah, it was so different then. Yeah, the equivalent now is when YouTube channels accidentally upload four movies and just make them public. I can't remember. Oh. There was that <laughs> happened a few years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be a trailer, but it was the full movie of whatever oh, it was. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. What, I think it was a Sony thing, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never forget the the Mummy trailer that I was about to mention The that, audio yeah. was all fucked up. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, that audio that was messed up in Tom Cruise's, you know, it's just an audio track of Tom Cruise yelling. <laughs> yeah, I Very rewatched funny. that again recently, and it's, like, just as funny as <laughs> the first time I saw yeah, it. Yeah, it's still funny. It's like, oh, I forgot about this scream. <laughs> yeah, oh, I found what it was. It's a 2018 film, Cully the Killer, was put on. Oh, okay. The whole night on Sony Pictures Entertainment YouTube channel, they left up for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie. Six hours. <laughs> yeah, that's that good. You fell asleep, took a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoever did it. Yeah, why not? Just upload the whole fucking movie on YouTube. Just upload it. It's 2020. 
Yeah, they should just start <laughs> doing that with all their movies. Stop putting stop things in theaters. YouTube. Just put them on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's a significant amount of films from like every major studio that are being viewed and purchased so infrequently that it would actually be financially beneficial for them yeah. to just toss them on YouTube anyway. No, just like yeah. go through your catalog, be like, okay, nobody's watching this shit. Put it on YouTube. Just fucking do it. Put some ads on it. You probably make more money. Yeah. yeah. A few million people will watch it if it's like a high profile movie from yeah. years ago. Why not? Yeah. No, it's, it makes too much sense. That's why they won't do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there was, was a studio that did that, though. Troma did like that, their, I believe. Oh, Troma did that for sure. Yeah. But there's also a studio, it might have been Warner Brothers or something, but they had like a separate YouTube channel and they, they called it like something classics or whatever. And it might have been region locked only to the US or something, but mm. they just had a bunch of movies from their catalog that like nobody was watching. So like mostly just shit that you haven't heard of, but they just tossed it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think you can find Come and See and like Raw on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You can find all sorts on there now. You can find a lot of documentaries on YouTube. Yeah. That, yeah. I watched uh, mm-hmm. Dear Zachary on YouTube actually. Oh, wow. Very nice. Let's end on this one, then, from Your Movie Swallows. What makes nice. reincorporation and callbacks work in a film? I usually enjoy it when a movie uses a line or joke twice. If the second use brings new meaning to the table, for example, I always liked Batman Begins. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. But sometimes callback feel like a cheap way of making a script seem tighter than it is, like the very lazy, never underestimate a droid line from The Rise of Skywalker. So what do you guys think is the secret? Subtlety, significance to the story? What? Hmm. Pretty much everything you just said. <laughs> yeah, these questions keep answering them. <laughs> yeah. Within the question. The, the answer is in the question. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. What I do? <laughs> we could do one more. I just, I don't know what to add to, like, you've answered the whole question in the question. <laughs> Guys, like, it's yeah, getting if, too if, good at if this. You have, if there's significance <laughs> to them, sometimes they can be like, more endearing. Sometimes you they're guys are too smart. cheesy. If yeah. They're, yeah. I think, yeah, it's when you don't notice yeah. it, I think, where it makes it extra satisfying mm-hmm. to be able right. to hide it away. But Yeah, if there's like a purpose to it. Yeah, we can do this other one if um if you guys want to skip over that one, that's fine. Sure, yeah. yeah ne- next time, if you have a question, you answer it in the question. Just don't ask it. Just yeah, just open-ended is the key. <laughs> Unless it's a really good question. You guys are very smart. Like something, yeah. something that we could add to. Anyway. <laughs> it's almost like a weird flex. They're just shutting us down before we can even answer it. Yeah. Madog0089 then has one for us. Are there any good movies based off the Lovecraftian mythos or on cosmic horror? If they aren't, If there aren't any good ones, do you think there's a reason for that? Hmm. I don't so fucking know. There's a couple. Know. I would say... Um, <laughs> Like Annihilation is like cosmic horror. Okay, that's a good one. Um, Event Horizon as well. Oh. It says cosmic horror okay. too. It's like Alien cosmic horror. Like I'm not even yes, sure. Yeah, I think it would. But, uh, as far as like Lovecraftian though, I guess like The Mist. Oh yeah, a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much so. The Prince of Darkness too. It's it's weirdly not as common in in films as you'd expect on how popular mm-hmm. and like the imagery from some of the Lovecraftian yeah. kind of stories but yeah I did not like color out of space but mm. apparently other people did it's definitely untapped I really like cosmic horror especially 
just having it be set in space just adds a, such a layer mm-hmm. of fear to it of the unknown. So yeah, yeah there's definitely space. Yeah, for it, I know but... what you mean. I would like to see more of that type of thing. Like I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like scrolling through internet shit, and somebody has like this cool fucking image of like a giant Cthulhu coming out from the ocean. I'm like, holy shit, that looks like fucking scary. <laughs> but you know, a movie tries to tackle it, and it's just shit. Mm-hmm. I guess the thing, maybe. Yeah, the things. Kind of yeah, kind of has that kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, like Guillermo del Toro kind of seems to have. A love for that kind. Of, well, it's more like fantasy kind of myths and legend. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not really Lovecraftian. How do you define it? Yeah, and the same. With- mm-hmm. I mean, it's Lovecraftian when there's a fish man. Yeah, the lighthouse has some Lovecraft. <laughs> I don't know in it, like just a little. Yeah, maybe I'm not thinking deep enough. Th- thinking too literally. Yeah, I would need a better <laughs> yeah. definition. Yeah, there are touches, and obviously lots of. Lots of things are inspired by Lovecraft and everything, mm-hmm. but we're just bad at, at answering questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we suck. We're very tired. Cancelled. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think aliens. Go on. <laughs> All right, I guess that does it for questions. Yeah. Uh, is that it? We have one more. Oh, we can do one more. But we said one more twice. We can do. We can do another. Uh, we'll one do more. one more a third time. Sure. Yeah, do one another one more. That's fine. Right. Okay. Uh, I can't read this now. El the Joshua. Are there any band slash unreleased films that you're most interested in watching? For example, Don's Plum or The Day the Clown Cried. Mm. I'm not familiar with these. Do you guys know anything about? Uh, no, I know nothing about those. Oh, dude, I am so fucking hyped. What are they the, called? The Day the Clown Don? Cried. Uh, let me <laughs> let me pull up the fucking wiki here. Don's uh, Plum. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jerry Lewis directed and starred and i think it was his idea to never release the film and basically it was like the <laughs> the the plot of it is like it's set around the holocaust and there's like a clown that's like trying to convince oh, what i'm gonna have to look up this this whole fucking plot yeah this sounds um, wacky but but apparently the idea is like he he was like oh this is pretty fucking poor taste I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to release this <laughs> apparently people have seen it somehow oh it, uh, apparently the it can't be screened until June 2024 so maybe after okay. that you'll be able to watch it <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> okay yeah the Library of Congress got a copy of it in 2015 under the stipulation that it would not be screened before June 2024. So you've got to wait a few years. Okay. So we all got something to look forward to then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what was the other one? Don's Plum. I have no idea what that one is. Don's Plum uh, starred DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Tobey Maguire, right? And then they sued to have the film not be released, basically. Don's oh. Plum. Mm-hmm. It's from 2000... 2001. One, yeah, uh, and DiCaprio's basically just been, you know, suppressing this movie. Like he doesn't want it to I'm come Toby out. McGuire, <laughs> Kevin Conley, wow, Toby Maguire. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. what the fuck? <laughs> this is bizarre. Oh. They just won't <laughs> release it because maybe it's bad. Um, it's screened outside of the U.S. Apparently, okay, and it's got mixed reviews. 
<laughs> so like i'm not really sure what happened there all i know is dicaprio and toby mcguire do not want the movie to be shown weird the director put it on a site for free and then dicaprio <laughs> removed it he like sued to have it removed weird. that means it's probably out there somewhere yeah. it's on youtube i think oh, really? oh wow yeah so you can find it what if it's just like not they just even don't want it to, terrible they want it to be suppressed it's, uh, who knows because I understand the day the clown cried because he's like, this is this. Yeah, this it's isn't just bad taste. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's putting yeah. a, a clown in. The plum one's almost more of. interesting. Uh-huh. But the director seems to want to release this movie and, you know, the stars that want to not oh, release it. How could you, like, sue successfully over that? It must be something weird in their contract. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. There's the Robert Rodriguez film starring john malkovich called 100 years that's not being released until 2115 it's probably just gonna be a piece <laughs> of shit because it's literally just an ad for an, an alcohol that's like, lame fucking, yeah it's pretty lame 100 yeah. years from now yeah that was like there it's like we've this is our 100 years aged batch blah, 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 or something like <laughs> yeah no if you're gonna come up with a concept like that you gotta commit you gotta make like a proper movie mm-hmm. Like, like, and actually make it really good and just not let anyone you see it. You need to make, like, 2001 A Space yeah, Odyssey, yeah. basically, for that to even... Yeah. <laughs> it's like... And it's just... Otherwise, there's just no reason uh-huh. to even... Robert Rodriguez... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, what, whatever the film is, he won't have to live with the consequences. <laughs> yeah, so. what if it just turns out to just be a copy of Spy Kids 3? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Malkovich Spy Kids 5D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the pe- the the films people will be watching hundred years from now, or like the the classics that are revered mm-hmm. in film history, yeah, like two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. It's funny thinking about banned movies because a lot of them are funny to think about now. Like Monty Python's Life of Brian that we mentioned earlier was was banned mm-hmm. in a lot of places because it was considered quite edgy for the time, which mm-hmm. is funny to think about now. Yeah, there's a lot of tame movies that were banned for no reason in certain places, but. Whatever. I guess like banned completely, like banned outright. It's probably more about what the question is. Yeah, there's only a few of them. I think. There's probably more that I'm yeah, not I'm interested of. in this plum movie. I'm very interested in the day the clown cried. So if anybody mm. ever has any updates on that, let me know in the subreddit. Yeah. I'm very interested in movies getting delayed and pushed back because that's kind of happened a lot. Um, both production, mm-hmm. chaos walking. Uh huh. There's also, well, like the what is it, Rogue One. Um, all these movies that were supposed to be released that got pushed back. I wonder if they're changing. Uncharted. Anything. Um, mm. they actually pushed back Jack Reacher a week or so because okay. of the shooting, right? So there's things that happen in the news sometimes that kind of affect, like the release of a film, on that date. Mm-hmm. That's that's like the only example. Like a Jack Reacher's one. Is there another one like that? Where they like delayed the movie because of a tragedy? I'm pretty sure that rock movie about like an earthquake or something might have been delayed in Japan around the time of an earthquake, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was there were a few movies that got delayed because of nine eleven. Mm-hmm. There was uh Yeah, they edited Spider Man out of the Right, that's right. World Trade Center. Collateral mm-hmm. damage starring Arnold. Mm-hmm. That got like pushed forward. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. All right. I guess that uh, answers that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Cool. Very interesting. I didn't know about that movie. 
with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite bizarre. We might have to watch that one day. Yeah, (laughs) it's like the Streisand effect. I wouldn't be wanting to watch this if Mm -hmm. you didn't ban it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You just pull an A twenty four with Under the Silver Lake. It's just like, oh, it's released, but we're not. (laughs) We're not going to promote it. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't promote it at all. They just put it on. Put it in two theaters. All right. So I guess this is where we ask for a recommendation. From Alex. It's me, is it? I believe yeah. so. I got a good one for what us. What you got? One that, um, good. with my boy David Thewlis. Oh, shit. I'm pulling out Naked by Mike Lee, 1993. Awesome. Um, meaning to watch this Sweet. for a long time. Heard very good things. Yeah, me too. I have not seen it. Yeah. Hope right. it's good. Hope it's easy to find yeah, too. too. Oh, yeah. I think this might have a criterion. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I believe it does, yeah. All right. Uh, If you don't want to be spoiled for the film Naked by Mike Lee, watch it before the next episode is out. These episodes come out every two weeks, but you can watch them early as they're edited. Going to sardonicast.com, signing up for premium. That's only $2 a month. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Same thing. Also, you ever notice how you listen to other podcasts and it's like, man, there's like, there's like sponsors like the whole time. It's like, I just want to listen to the podcast. Notice how we don't do that. <laughs> Maybe you should just thank us by going to fucking $2 a month on Patreon or the fucking website. Yeah. Yeah. That's Isn't that how we cool? Keep going. Yeah. We're like, we're better than other people. Damn straight. All right. Um, <laughs> Ads are cool. Ads are fun. Yeah. Fuck other people. All right. <laughs> I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to bed. <laughs> tired, wasted. Uh, Love you, darling. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Take care.